and good afternoon, and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with, well, Laurent's not here, and Patty is running a little, no, she's not running a little bit late. Uh, her text says, I'm running more late than usual. She's stuck in traffic on 635. Uh, and we came up with a general rule for people at KNON. Before your show, don't take 635 ever. <laughs> Our guest is Rob Emery. Rob, welcome. Thank you. Rob is this year's Black Tie Dinner Kukling Humanitarian Award winner. So he is a humanitarian. Indeed. Uh, although I won the, the Kukling Award a number of years ago, so I will have to do the official induction. I'm ready for hazing. Yes, um, it's, it's not what you think. I hope it's intense. It's not. Oh, shucks. It, it's more like... Congratulations and welcome to being a Kukling Award winner. Is that all? Yeah. Um, Robert was also uh, one of the founders of the Coalition for Aging LGBT. One of the founders or the founder? A founding board member. A founding board member and the founder of the Dallas Way, the History Project. Now, the reason that I asked Robert to be on this week, well, in two weeks you're winning the Kukling Award. One week. One week. It's this next Saturday. This Saturday. This coming Saturday. One of the reasons I invited Robert on is because in a week he'll be a kookler. <laughs> he'll be kookled. And um, in two weeks is the Archives for All um, Queer History South Conference. Did I get that right? Yes. Sort of. <laughs> sort, of. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Close enough. Queer History South owns the conference, and this year's theme is Archives for All, y'all. Hmm. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the conference. We're going to talk a little about aging because actually this year I aged. Did you? Yes, I turned ornery. And and not before this year? Have you spoken to your friends? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows. Um, and on Tuesday, there's an exhibit in, coordinate, in conjunction with the Archives for All Y'all conference. Uh, it's going to be at uh, El Centro College. Why don't you tell us what the exhibit is? Sure. Uh, it's 50-50. It's 50% the Dallas Way's historical panel, display panels, that are created by our friends and partners at the University of North Texas. These are selected panels that have appeared in Dallas City Hall every June for a month-long display. The other half of the show is self-portraits from LGBT artists in North Texas. Mm. And it's beautiful, and what is most moving to me is the variety. Now, anybody can come and see this exhibit. Absolutely, everyone <laughs> can come. It is free. There is wine and soft drinks and food. Uh, it's open to everyone, and we would love to have you come down and see the beautiful self-portraits and the historical display panels. And um, where and when? It's at El Centro, but it's, it's El Centro. We B. call it Dallas College El Centro Campus. That's 801 Main Street, downtown Dallas. It's in the art gallery, so once you have parked either on metered parking or in the Bank of America parking tower... You can enter any door of Dallas College, El Centro Campus, and a security guard will point you toward the art gallery. Okay. I think I'm going to take dark 
to get down. Excellent. And dart. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's right there. It's at the um, uh, West End Station. It's, and then three blocks, two, no, I'm sorry, one and a half, one block, yes, is Dallas College. Yeah, yeah, so that'll, that'll be nice and easy. Um, Her Royal Highness just walked in. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Did you hear our new rule? I did. <laughs> I did. I was listening on the air while I was sitting in traffic on 635. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Robert, how are you? Hello. Great, Patty. Hi. Congratulations on your Cookling Award winning announcement. Thank you very much, my dear. Well deserved. Thank you. You have done so much for our community. I loved every minute of it. I don't know how David got his, but... It's a, it's wink, wink. Wink, wink. But I know how you got yours. You worked your butt off for years and decades. As David did, writing and telling our stories for so yes. many years. Yeah, he did that. Well, <laughs> well, I got the honor of being in David's video, congratulating him. Right. And they, they caught the very beginning of what I said. I said... Can I say that he's the most irritating person I've ever worked with? <laughs> I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you late for that taping, too? Yes, no. she was. Oh, oh, no, I, oh I love that. I love the two answers. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> she was late for her own wedding. Um, well, it was not. <laughs> that she's not denying. That's great. I wasn't, I wasn't late for my own wedding. But I will be in Patty's terms. She was not late for her own wedding. The wedding did happen. It did eventually, (laughs) and therefore, I'm sure she was right on time. (laughs) We're talking about the um, exhibit that's going to be at the art gallery at El Centro College on Tuesday. On Tuesday, will it be there longer? It will. Um, Today, we're talking about the um, 5 p.m. on Tuesday. September 20th, but the show will run, that's just the grand opening, then the show will run until Friday, October 7th. Oh, okay, so there's plenty of chance for people to go see it. Anytime that the university is open during the day, uh, people are welcome to go through, the art gallery is open. Now, what are some of the, um, the history panels? Because it's been three years, and like I said, I'm old and ornery now, so I don't remember what they even were. I remember I, I took some of the pictures, but I don't remember what. <laughs> the, um, the history panels are drawn from three separate shows that were in City Hall main entrance lobby. Uh, one was an overview of Dallas history. The second year was women's history in Dallas. And the third is more general again. So <clears throat> they have chosen on their own to pull what display items they want, and they're pretty fantastic. There's also uh, some mannequins with some historic T-shirts that you will recognize. Yes, since some of those are my T-shirts. Some of those are your T-shirts. <laughs> I was cleaning out old K-N-O-N uh, T-shirts and cleaning out old other T-shirts, and I said, oh, these can go to, to UNT. They've, you'll be glad to know that they've washed them since. Did they fall apart? They, they laundered Some just fine. We're about to. <laughs> <laughs> so I have quite a few that have been in heavy rotation for decades now, and, um, you know, they're, they're being used as rags now. I love the T-shirt you're wearing. Just, oh, thank you. Read it to us. It says, um, Texas needs a Beto governor. Oh. But, but we don't they did there. We don't endorse on the air, no, do we, we Patty? 
We don't endorse Weird, it. But we can read a T-shirt? But we can read a T-shirt. You know what my T-shirt currently reads? You're not wearing a T-shirt. Well, then you then I can't say. I'm wearing it under my, under my, it's my oh. undershirt. It says, please vote for Beto. That's ah, what my T-shirt says. That's what your T-shirt says. But you're I'm not endorsing. I'm not endorsing. I'm telling you what my T-shirt reads. <laughs> He's so good with the rules. <laughs> um, when I gave a pile of T-shirts to UNT, when... What, have, what are some of the things that you've donated to the archives? Oh, gosh. Um, CDs and uh, letters, photographs, a million photographs. We have 175,000 separate pieces of ephemeral of mm-hmm. UNT in our collection alone. That's just individual artifacts. Individual pieces, 175 individual pieces in the wow. Dallas Ways collection up at UNT. And they have millions beyond that in storage. But you had a question about... Yeah, what is the importance of saving these things? Oh, my. Any marginalized community must take responsibility for gathering, storing their own history because the mainstream media will not do it for us. This is true for the LGBT community, but this is true for any marginalized community. Must gather your own history if you do not, then 100 or 200 or 300 years from now, no one will know that you had a thriving community. And we are telling the story that Dallas and North Texas has one of the most vibrant LGBT communities in the world. We do, and we have quite a reputation if you leave Dallas and sort of zoom out. you know, I remember when I served on the on the the board of governors for the human rights campaign. There were um, folks from Los Angeles and New York who had trouble recruiting people to serve, and we have a line of people here every year to fill um, seats on that board, and they have to go through interviews, and it's and it's these fine little things that make the decision because this competition is so high mm-hmm. and when we zoom out and look at what our Dallas LGBTQ community is sort of known for around the country from other places it's innovation it's the start of new things we try things here that other folks don't and we have lots and lots of firsts we're first. the well, first black tie dinner black tie dinner that uh, is coming up next weekend. First one, there are now, I think, 50 around the country. Uh, the victory- None like this one, though. None like this one. Yeah. None structured this way. Right. Uh, ours is structured so that local groups get money as well as uh, the national organization. Right. right. Which is what makes ours so successful. Yes. Um, but the Victory Fund uh, started right here at Crossroads Market. With William Wayburn. God bless him. Yeah, who moved up to Washington to run it and is still there. And continues his good work. Yeah. Love the man. And he is amazing. We have our we had the first um chapter of the National Coming Out Project here. We had the first Rainbow Lulac Council. We you, you know, the charming. first black trans organization, national organization here. Well what Carter who founded um Black Trans Men, it was originally called 
Mm-hmm. Um, when he founded Black Trans Men, he was just doing a local trans group and realized there is nothing like this anywhere in the country, and it quickly became a national organization. Because that's what we do in Dallas. Because that's what we do in Dallas. And yeah. of all the wonderful things that you listed, Patty, also, we work harder. <laughs> we are a we working do. community. We don't mind. And working. we're smarter well, and no, 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 bigger. No, no, By golly, people we, love us. We work harder. And also, above all, for me, emotionally and professionally, uh, the women and men cooperate. Shocking, isn't it? It's, well, it's shocking to everyone outside our community, and it is simply a given we take for granted. We better not. We ought to celebrate it more. It's a beautiful thing that at a board meeting of any organization you get into, women and men together, supporting each other, working together. It didn't always, be, it didn't begin like that. No, we've but had, we, we've had we have grown spots. into that and we have embraced it. So, For our wonderful foremothers and forefathers that taught us to get along. I only had one mother. Uh, figuratively <laughs> speaking, you've had many. Patty might be one of them. And he might be a mother. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, you know, I thought of another first, too. Dallas is the first city to have an official pride version of their city flag. Right. Yes. And to my knowledge, we're still... As as far as we know, we're the the only only, one. The only one. I think Chicago was working on something. Well, God bless them. It took Pam Gerber nine years. So, please, uh, if you're listening from another city, start that process. Yeah, you, all, it doesn't take much to, you could just Google and probably found, find a photo of our official flag yeah. with the official seal of the city of Dallas on it um, as inspiration um, for doing it in your city. And it flies over our city hall all during the month of June for the last three years. It's a beautiful thing. If you are in our listening audience and you live in North Texas, try to go down to City Hall during June and just take a gander at the only official pride version of a city flag. You don't have to go to City Hall because it flies over um, the police department, LaField, LaField, Dallas Fire Rescue, yes, uh, Redbird Airport. Thank you. Um, I forgot where else, but there were two or three others. Find a location near you. And it was Mayor Pro Tem Adam Madrano who really, you know, propelled that forward mm-hmm. into a thing that we're not going back on now. Back um, on. It's here to stay. Mm-hmm. So pretty exciting. So those are history type things. The story of how these things happened is what we're talking about. How do you preserve that? Because you had said, you know, people 100 years from now need to know these stories. So how do you preserve it? It's more than just taking one of these flags and putting it in the archive. It's more than just taking a picture and putting a picture that people go, oh, who's that? You know, 10 years from now. Right. So how how do you preserve that kind of history? Uh, I'll speak to uh, your audience member that might be very much like you, David. You have a collection at home. You don't have any idea what to do with it, but you know it has value in there. That's all you need to know. And all the second thing you need to know is the Dallas Way will meet with you. We will go through and pull what is historically significant. Uh, if it's and what you might not have uh, examples of. You might have a whole precisely. bunch of something. 
Very often when we go through people's archives, we'll say, okay, we don't need this. And they will say to us, well, wait, wait, that's really important. And we say, no redundancy. We already have that. So that part of the story is already being told. Mm -hmm. That's why we can do it very efficiently. We know what we already have. Then we will create a deed of gift. You sign it. You give it to the University of North Texas. They store it. Uh, very much like the final scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark when the camera pulls back and you see a warehouse the size of the city of Duncanville um, and containers and that. It's a huge climate-controlled fire safety storage. That means anyone can go up to UNT and see any piece. You can call it from that storage and bring it to a desk. But with, but with time and money... We can take the pieces that are back in storage, have them digitized, then any person with a modem anywhere in the world can access everything that we have. For instance, 30 Years of the Voice is accessible online. Oh, here's a fun thing to do, too. 38 years, hello? 38 <laughs> years. Um, you know, that's funny because I think the reason I have 30 is because you did it when you had 30 years, mm -hmm. and, I'm rem and it was eight years ago. Right. Oh, bless you. And Robert Moore. Terry Thompson, Leo. Um, here's some fun. Here's some fun, audience. Go to the, Tex the portal to Texas history, and in the search bar, write your name and see how many times you are in our archives. You will be pleasantly surprised. The portal to Texas history. We need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink. Let me be generous. These stuck on 635 Patty Fink. And we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. <laughs> and uh, before the break, we were talking to Robert Emery, and he said, go to the portal. The, the, the portal to Texas history. And type your name in and see how many times your name appears. And Patty did that, and you appear how many? 3,647. 37,146. Oh, oh, excuse me. 37,000. Times. And what number you were going to think, maybe a couple hundred. Yeah. And Erin Moore. Uh, My lovely wife. Lovely wife. She appears, you, what would you guess? Fewer or, or more than? More. You would guess more? more. <laughs> she is 41,466 times in our archives does her name appear. Well, wow. Patty, you need to donate some more. I do. Uh, I probably 37,146 dollars. Oh, well, I don't have Oh, that. you mean donate more stuff. <laughs> more stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do I'm always thinking the fundraising donate, angle. I, I have a, quite a few things, and things that were passed to us um, by elders in our community back many years ago. Yes. Beautiful. Um, they said, right, please those... keep these, because we didn't have anywhere to take them. Right. 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 Now we do. And now we do. Okay, so if somebody has something that they want to donate, who should they call? Who should they contact? TheDallasWay.org. TheDallasWay.org. 
and um, somebody will come pick it up, or you'll arrange, or uh, how does it work? Yeah, on that on that website, there's a contact tab, and if you will go to contact and fill that out, um, that comes directly to us, and we will respond to you within a day. Set up a time to come over, or first of all, we'll talk to you about what it is that you have. Uh, then we'll set up a time to come over. We have spent days with the wonderful Rod Gray mm -hmm. and gave us all of Rod Gray and Patty LaPlace Safe's collection. It was seven huge boxes. Wow. Uh, the um, Did that include costumes? and? It included costumes, wow. awards, programs <coughs> from uh, events. Uh, Lori Masters has a garage and a half from floor to above your head. Actually, Patty's, I mean, <laughs> Lori's, Lori's garage looked as the closest to the final scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark as any room I've ever been in. Wow. Just, and shimmy through and squeeze your way through boxes and alleys, and it was enormous. We, we have helped her curate all of that. Do you know what I gave that really hurt to not have? Um, Dennis Vircher was the first... Uh, writer and then first editor of Dallas Voice and when Dennis passed away uh, his typewriter stayed on his desk Tammy moved to his desk and uh, she left for a while and I took it I took the typewriter and oh, really? put it on my desk and there was one time the power went off in the building and everybody else, you know, well, can't work. And I said, well, I can. I pulled out the typewriter after not <laughs> using a manual typewriter for years and years, typed up a full page, and everybody's standing smugly behind me while I'm working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he thinks he's so smart. And then they said to me, okay, now how are you going to get that into the computer? Because everything is computerized yeah. now. Got to retype it. So I had to retype it into the computer, but I was able to do some work. But I gave them the typewriter, which was the main typewriter that the first couple of years of Dallas Voice was written on. We love that as historians, and future historians will love that. And you can visit it, because some people don't want to call us just yet, they, they think in their mind. Not, I'm just not quite ready yet. But the beautiful thing is, if your room is full of plaques, trophies, and awards, and documents, if you give them and they are digitized, then you can visit them anytime you want. A picture of, the, of, of Dennis's typewriter, you can see from 18 different angles as it rotates both ways, both horizontally and vertically. You can, it's, it's as good as having it in your hands, the way that you can view it. Uh, so it's later than you think. It's time to empty out those closets. In other words, he's calling you old. He's calling it's old. later than you think. Ornery. <laughs> he's saying you're going to die. <laughs> you're out to pasture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that history was preserved was through a program that Dallas Way did called Outrageous Oral. Yes. I miss Outrageous Oral, and we need to start that again. Well, it's that darn COVID. We couldn't get together, so we hope to do that again. We were fortunate enough to have 110 oral histories recorded on our YouTube. Explain page. exactly what Outrageous Oral outrageous was. Outrageous Oral is a public event where we would gather three to five varied speakers. 
with a host or hostess, uh, with sponsors. We would gather at the beautiful Rose Room, and we would listen to 15 to 20-minute stories of people's contributions to LGBT history. I remember when I did one, I didn't tell Brian that I was the speaker. <laughs> oh, uh-oh, just, y'all just came? We and just came, and, and uh, I said, oh, excuse me, I have to go up on the stage and speak now. Did you not tell him because you were going to spill a lot of personal things? And No, I was talking about Lambda Weekly, actually. Okay. So I didn't tell him because... That was the kind of relationship we had. Right. <laughs> Zing! Zing. <laughs> like when uh, I proposed to him, I said, uh, hey, we're getting married on June 9th. And he said, yeah, whatever. He was just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I remember when I did, when I did mine, um, I, was, I really was, was amiss, um, remiss because I didn't prepare a, a real... Speech. I had been um, in Louisiana uh, caring for um, Aaron's dad in hospice at home, so I was able to to like physically move there during that time, so Aaron wouldn't need to take off because I all I needed was internet to work. So we were in that 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 phase, and I just didn't have time to prepare a really tight presentation, so I just left some notes. So I didn't even touch on Lambda Weekly. I talked about other things. (laughs) Well, you know, that was one of those things that I thought, well, I can do this, I could do that, I could do a little bit of each. I said, no, let me just do one. And we'll have you back for another subject. Well, if we're doing it, if we do it again, I'd be happy to, uh, to contribute another one of those. Excellent. I would do on Lambda Weekly as well. Oh, and what you would talk about would be completely different than what I did, I'm sure. I mean, I spoke for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and I was talking about 30 years' worth of history. So there's and, more to say. Um, true, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Although that was really very fun when I did mine, because at the end, um, my wife proposed to me. That's right. She came up on stage and yes. asked me to marry her. And I said yes. Well, it's good when the camera's on you to say yes. <laughs> and that is permanently recorded as well. That, that is a, permanently recorded? That was a wow. beautiful moment. Well, thank you. It was for me, for sure. And it was great being there with all the, our community. That was, it was really special. Very clever so, of her. And I was so surprised. No, <laughs> no idea that was coming. <laughs> We're talking with Rob Emery. Uh, about Archives for All Y'all, which is a um, conference that will be held here in Dallas September 30th to October 2nd, um, sponsored by the Dallas Way. We are one of four <coughs> primary sponsors. The Invisible Histories Project in Birmingham, Alabama, owns the conference. Then the Dallas Way is local. Dallas College is one of ours, and the University of North Texas Special Collections. Do you know, I did a story on this week on um, LGBT-affirming campuses across the country. Saw that. And UNT didn't do very well. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember... UNT did, got two and a half stars out of five. Well, I'm not sure that would be reflect, 
That's interesting, but I don't know that that would be reflective if you were to walk across campus. I, I don't think so either. Denton is looks like Austin. Uh, uh, visit the square; it's amazing. Austin wasn't um, rated. There were two sto- two schools in Texas uh, that, and this is from not the Princeton Review, which uh, made SMU in its bottom twenty. Um, this is uh, Campus Pride who did this survey. And UT Austin is one of the campuses that's not included for whatever reason. Well, I know what the reason is, because nobody on campus registered the school to participate in the project. Um, When I was speaking to one of the people who, who, he's the board chair for Campus Pride is what he is. Um, He said, well, probably they're using some outdated information and UNT needs to update its information. Well, I'll tell you what happens oftentimes in those is the it lands, it comes in the mail, it lands on somebody's desk, and they don't know the answers to those, but they go ahead and fill out what they think they know because they don't know what they don't know. If or it lands on somebody's desk and it never gets beyond that, right. so it never gets returned. So, right. But they, they, maybe they don't know that there are employee benefits. They, maybe they right. don't know because it's not their perspective and they're not smart enough to go searching and asking many people who's the most appropriate person to fill this out. Mm-hmm. And if they're an executive assistant to some, you know, president of the university or whoever, high-ranking somebody, they think they probably already know all that stuff. But two schools came out in Texas among the top 40 and one more in Texas was just below that but got five stars. Who do you think the two schools are that got the best rating in Texas? In other words, most LGBT friendly. Well, I would have said UNT and Austin Rice. had you. Oh, Rice. Rice was not included. Okay. Um, it's not A&M and it's not Baylor. It's no, no, Baylor not, made the bottom 20. Oh, yeah. Baylor's going to be in there. Most homophobic. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, Southwest Texas State, excuse me, Texas State University. No, uh, let me tell you the two. Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Has a fantastic, I've I've visited them many times. They have a thriving community at Texas Tech. Not what you expect in Lubbock, but good for them. Mm -hmm. And University of Texas, Dallas. Terrific. Very cool. Now, the other school that was just below the top 40 uh, is UT Arlington. Yeah. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. I guess who? I guess uh, yes. Yeshiva University didn't make that cut. Yeshiva. Yeshiva. Yeah. No, they didn't. You heard about what happened? Yes, with them I this did. Week. Tell the story. What happened this um, week? They them. they were. It's an Orthodox Jewish university. There are many academically an excellent school. Yes, academically. And they're going to lose students. Great university. Um, they have many organizations on campus organized by students, as most campuses do. An LGBT group formed, and the university refused to recognize them as a as an campus university because it goes against their religious beliefs, according to them. And they sued them. So it's made its way through New York courts. No, they were charged, I think, with, with violating the discrimination law in New York State. Um, by not recognizing, and, and they get public funds, so they're responsible exactly. for uh, right, and that's how it entered into the, yeah. the court system, I guess. 
Um, so it, it made its way, and, and Yeshiva made an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, because uh, Justice Sotomayor is over that area in that New York state, um, she made a decision, um, a temporary decision, to to say no, you don't, you're not going to be forced to um, to recognize them yet. Let's let it work through the system, because the lower court said you must. The New York State Court said you must recognize this group. You're receiving our funds. You have to recognize all student groups. So I was really shocked. We were actually on our way to to out of town, and I saw the thing, and I was like, Justice Sotomayor, what are you doing? But then it went to the full Supreme Court, and surprisingly, five to four, um, this they ordered the the school to recognize the LGBT organization on campus. Mm-hmm. And Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Kavanaugh and Roberts voted with the with the th- the three women on the court um, to say you have to follow the law. Mm-hmm. And so, what did Yeshiva University do? What we've all seen here in our community over and over and over. They bailerized the school. They bailerized the school. They said, "Well, then we have no groups. There will be no groups recognized on campus." Oh, you've ruined it for everyone, <laughs> right? Because the because yes, the queer as, as, the queer students want an organization. Nobody can have an organization, right? That's what they did, and here we are. But and it's still working its way through the courts. But that's their solution. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they are offended because it's a little bit like their argument, their flawed argument against marriage, which is your marriage <laughs> diminishes my marriage. Right. So your charter as a school organization, diminishes my charter. Well, look what Patty's marriage did to my marriage. Um, and that's, okay, well, then I read, I may have to retract what I'm saying, because. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, that's what Baylor did when they wanted the family, two men applied for a family membership at the gym. At Baylor Hospital. At Baylor Hospital. And they said no, and so then they said, okay, no family memberships. No family members because they violated the city non-discrimination ordinance, and it's 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 their solution is you know like anything to stop. It's you know this is what um, Heather McGee who Aaron was was we were talking about this and Heather McGee who was over uh, demos and has written a book about this said was that's what they did with um, the black community when they wanted to integrate the swimming pools they they poured cement into the swimming pools. So that nobody could use them, rather than have black people right. use the swimming pools. Makes sense. So, you know. Makes perfect sense, doesn't yeah. it? In, Absolutely. In the horror scenario. We need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with late Patty Fink. Our guest is Robert Emery. Uh, we have... Some more Archives for All stuff to talk about, some Coalition for Aging stuff to talk about. So stick with us for more. I'm Christina from the Owens, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> and welcome back to Lambda <laughs> Weekly. We're still laughing about how many times uh, we're mentioned uh, in the portal. In the UNT portal and. Uh, Patty just found one. Patty found one. 
I was laughing about there was a time when David Webb was reporting, and I remember David Webb so fondly. He was he's, he's such a great reporter, and he had written an article about something I was involved with, and he referred to Aaron, my wife Aaron Moore, as as Fink's partner, and and, and Aaron would just never let him down about that. <laughs> it's like the running joke every time she'd see him. She goes, "Hey." Things partner here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when she has her own activism in her own life, oh, very much so. Very you know? much her own life. <laughs> Never noticed. Uh, um, for the Archives for All, one of the evenings of the conference is going to be at the Holocaust Museum. We're so excited. They were so generous. Uh, they are the Holocaust and Human Rights Museum. and w With a big... Uh, LGBT history with a wonderful component. LGBT component uh, separate from the Holocaust section you then move into what they call pivot pivot to America and they study the struggles from African Americans or handicapped Americans uh, LGBT Americans you can follow from the 1400s uh, to present on many different threads and we're very fortunate that they included and they called the Dallas Way for help on some of those facts. Right, I had turned over some information to them also turned it over, it's like it's illegal illicit information. I, I suggested several people that they should profile uh, and that was and they the, have yeah oh and they have they have, they have. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that yeah. they have gone after your yeah. list um, but on Saturday night from six until nine o'clock they're going to open the entire museum to us for a reception there will be cash bar and all of the exhibits will be open and something very very special if one were to be a conference attendee or a community participant that's another category. Um, they're going to take us into private uh, tours into their deepest archive vaults. And that, for a, for a conference of library and research nerds, uh, to go deeply into archive vaults is very exciting. People uh, can't wait till Saturday night. He's mm -hmm. giddy. I am giddy. I'm giddy. <laughs> and I've been in there. It, more it's than exciting. Once. I've been it's, in there, too. Yeah. It's cold in there. It is. It's really cold in there. Are you going to be like uh, Tom Hanks and Angels and Demons, where he's like locked in the archive and he's going <laughs> to climb a, you know? I'll be looking for clues. hermetically sealed mm -hmm. room. I'll be searching for clues all night to God. the truth. There you go. There you <laughs> go. And tonight too on on PBS is they're showing uh, they're beginning the series by Ken Burns about the United States and the Holocaust. Mm. Can't wait. Um, should be a very. Um, um, I don't know. Poignant, okay. poignant kind of a approach. One of we Ken, were not, we were not extending arms and one of Ken Burns' uh, points of making this was people in the United States knew what was going on in the mm -hmm. Holocaust. Not everything, but no. they, you know, we didn't have the internet. Obviously, right, right. Uh, we didn't have uh, everybody with their cameras f filming everything, uh, but people knew. Right, and they, they're going to deep dive into that in the Ken Burns way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that should be very interesting. And that's yeah. going to air, begin airing tonight, I believe. Um, I want to pivot to the Coalition for the Aging, which is another group that you helped found. 
what's going on with that? What are some of the issues that uh, Coalition for Aging is dealing with, especially coming out of the pandemic? We are focused a lot on helping people prepare, prepare with their legal documents, their insurance, their savings accounts. And when we say that it's later than you think, He's calling us old again, Patty. Mm -hmm. When we do that... (laughs) Well, you just turned super old this week. I turned ornery this week. Um, So so listen up. Um, We do that because it always gets that exact reaction. It makes people... It brings it up to the forefront, and they have to face it, and it's scary, so they laugh or they make jokes. But then we settle back down into the fact that we have fewer children than... The general population. Uh, we have spent our money defending ourselves our entire lives, that the savings are not the same, and the opportunities are very limited, and we want everyone to be ready for that. When you say spending our, our fortunes, and, and I mean fortune, Edie Windsor's case is a perfect example of that. Um, She was married to Thea, and because it was not recognized by the federal government, uh, a married couple, heterosexual, would have owed zero in taxes, and Edie Windsor owed $500,000 in taxes. And even though the the state of New York recognized her marriage for income tax purposes in all all things, the federal government at the time did not. for death benefits. Yeah. yeah. For, in, inheritance. For, any for inheritance. 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 Uh, benefits. I, I mean, that's just a dollars and cents. Here's, here's a good example of money was, is unequally uh, taxed and spent and where our money went to. So I didn't mean to interrupt what no, you were saying, but that, that was, that's the example that just smacks you in the face. Mm-hmm. It does. Well, I'm laughing because for years before that. And I was right. Years before that. Probably it had to be 15 years at least. Yeah, let me point out, and I was right. You were right. We spent, uh, LaRon and I have spent like show after show after show peeling peeling David down off the New York state taxes and taxes and taxes (laughs) discussions because like our listeners don't want to hear about taxes. It's taxes, taxes, taxes. And then. Lo and behold, bam. And I the said case that it's we going to be a case. <laughs> I said it's going to be a tax case that's going to make it uh, and is going to make our point for us because it's just numbers. There's nothing. People understand the numbers. People understand numbers. It's not heterosexual, homosexual. It's taxosexual. Mm-hmm. So we had Lawrence in 2003, and then we had Windsor in 2015, and I was like, damn, if it wasn't a freaking tax case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Was, was David right about that, Patty? He was totally right about that. He was totally, totally I was, right. I wasn't sure about where that stood. Yeah, I was like, we oh, the guessed, irony. We also guessed that Sarah Palin was going to be the vice presidential pick ahead of time. Did you? Yeah. That's amazing. Did you throw a dart? No, we went through all of the possible candidates. We knew it was going to be a woman, and she was the only one that made sense. Slash didn't make any sense, but I yeah. see what you mean. But I, but I digress. Yes. So the 400,000 LGBT seniors who live in North Texas represent the Stonewall generation. 
in well, 400,001 people, uh, <laughs> LGBT seniors who live in North Texas. And her spouse. The 400,002 <laughs> LGBT seniors who live in North Texas represent the Stonewall generation. They are the AIDS generation. They fought and they died for every right and privilege we enjoy today to advocate for those who first advocated for us is our greatest honor. Well, I think that makes us the greatest generation, doesn't it? The greatest gay generation. Greatest gay generation. Well, uh, that is the greatest generation as defined by the famous journalist. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, spurred uh, Coalition for Aging was housing and the problem of people going into senior housing and having to go back into the closet. Yeah. And we had a big program on that. Uh, we've made great progress. What we found anecdotally was that if you walked into any community and said, I'm looking for a place for my mother and her wife. The person to whom you were speaking was the sales manager. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the answer was, oh, yes, we would love to have your mother and her wife. But the next question you might ask is, well, are there programs? Uh, are there, is there anything? Will she be welcome? Will she be welcome? Is there, is there visibility? Well, we think we have a gentleman in the building three and, but we're not sure. Well, if you're not sure, then that's not enough. So we designed a program to help them uh, in a very friendly and supportive way to make people more comfortable and raise visibility of LGBT residents. We've had great success. Lots of the communities have signed on and they're all happy they did because they report to us six months later that the entire workforce is happier. Now that we've taken that burden, that weight off, well, being in the closet is a burden. It, 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 it is. And being in the closet, not even if, you, if you're an ally and you love your niece and you work in an office and you can't talk about your niece and her wife and you love them and you're proud of them, if you're not safe there, it's, you feel that burden too, as even, even as an ally. And for somebody like, oh, I don't know, Robert, moving into one of these senior citizen housing. Where I walk into a room and there's no doubt. <laughs> Everybody knows. I open my mouth and remove all question. <laughs> you know, like Josh, our board operator for years, like he used to say, he came out of the womb singing show tunes. <laughs> right. Wearing pearls. Wearing pearls. <laughs> right. It's just not even possible to go back into the closet. I was never in a closet to go back into. I wouldn't know physically had to do it. Well, sad, that is so true, David, for you, but sadly for the majority of our LGBT seniors, they're too well practiced at code switching and going in the closet. But they're doing it for safety. I wouldn't know how to do it even for safety. Okay. Well, and we are paving the way to help you have a safe place. <laughs> and that's important. It's uh, uh, the utmost importance to feel safe in your home. Uh, we like to say to people when we do these trainings, everyone is entitled to their opinion. You may think anything you want about your neighbor. 
but it is not okay to make it a point because everyone deserves to be safe in their own homes. It's not okay to make it dangerous for It's not okay people. to make it dangerous. You may have your opinion, and this notion that we have free speech clouds this issue. It is okay for you to have your opinion, but you may not make someone else uncomfortable. Um, I want to pivot to the Coalition for the Aging, which is another group that you helped found. Uh, what's going on with that? What are some of the issues that uh, Coalition for Aging is dealing with, especially coming out of the pandemic? We are focused a lot on helping people prepare, prepare with their legal documents, their insurance, their savings accounts. And when we say that it's later than you think, He's calling us old again, Patty. Mm -hmm. When we do that... (laughs) Well, you just turned super old this week. I turned ornery this week. Um, So so listen up. Um, We do that because it always gets that exact reaction. It makes people... It brings it up to the forefront, and they have to face it, and it's scary, so they laugh or they make jokes. But then we settle back down into the fact that we have fewer children than the general population. Uh, We have spent our money defending ourselves our entire lives, that the savings are not the same, and the opportunities are very limited, and we want everyone to be ready for that. When you say spending our our fortunes, and, and I mean fortune, Edie Windsor's case is a perfect example of that. Um... She was married to Thea, and because it was not recognized by the federal government, uh, a married couple, heterosexual, would have owed zero in taxes, and Edie Windsor owed $500,000 in taxes. And even though the the state of New York recognized her marriage for income tax purposes and all all things, the federal government at the time did not. for death benefits. Yeah. yeah. For, in, inheritance. For, for, inheritance. for inheritance. Inheritance. Inheritance benefits. I, I mean, that's just a dollars and cents. Here's, here's a good example of money was, is unequally uh, taxed and spent and where our money went to. So I didn't mean to interrupt what no, you were saying, but that, that was, that's the example that just smacks you in the face. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm laughing because for years before that. And I was right. Years I before was right. that. Probably it had to be 15 years at least. Yeah, let me point out, and I was right. You were right. We spent, uh, LaRon and I have spent like show after show after show peeling peeling David down off the New York state taxes and taxes and taxes <laughs> discussions because like our listeners don't want to hear about taxes. It's taxes, taxes, taxes. And then. Lo and, and behold, bam. And I the said case that it's we going to be a case. <laughs> I said it's going to be a tax case that's going to make it uh, and is going to make our point for us because it's just numbers. There's nothing. People understand the numbers. People understand numbers. It's not heterosexual, homosexual. It's taxosexual. So we had Lawrence in 2003, and then we had Windsor in 2015, and I was like, damn, if it wasn't a freaking tax case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Was, was David right about that, Patty? He was totally right about that. He was totally, totally I was, right. I wasn't sure about 
where that stood. Yeah, I was like, we oh, also the guessed, irony. We also guessed that Sarah Palin was going to be the vice presidential pick ahead of time. Did you? Yeah. That's amazing. Did you throw a dart? No, we went through all of the possible candidates. We knew it was going to be a woman, and she was the only one that made sense. Slash didn't make any sense, but I yeah. see what you mean. But, mm-hmm. I, but I digress. Yes, well, right. So the... 400,000 LGBT seniors who live in North Texas represent the Stonewall Patty. In, well, 400,001 people, uh, <laughs> LGBT seniors who live in North Texas. And her spouse. The 400,002 <laughs> LGBT seniors who live in North Texas represent the Stonewall generation. They are the AIDS generation. They fought and they died for every right and privilege we enjoy today to advocate for those who first advocated for us is our greatest honor. Well, I think that makes us the greatest generation, doesn't it? The greatest gay generation. Greatest gay generation. Well, uh, that is the greatest generation as defined by the famous journalist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, spurred uh, the Coalition for Aging was housing and the problem of people going into senior housing and having to go back into the closet. Yeah. And we had a big program on that. Uh, we've made great progress. What we found anecdotally was that if you walked into any community and said, I'm looking for a place for my mother and her wife. The person to whom you were speaking was the sales manager. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the answer was, oh, yes, we would love to have your mother and her wife. But the next question you might ask is, well, are there programs? Uh, Are there is there anything? Will she be welcome? Will she be welcome? Is there is there visibility? Well, we think we have a gentleman in the building three and but we're not sure well if you're not sure then that's not enough so we designed a program to help them uh, in a very friendly and supportive way to make people more comfortable and raise visibility of lgbt residents we've had great success lots of the communities have signed on and they're all happy they did because they report to us six months later that the entire workforce is happier. Now that we've taken that burden, that weight off. Well, being in the closet is a burden. It, 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 it is. And being in the closet, not even if, you, if you're an ally and you love your niece and you work in an office and you can't talk about your niece and her wife and you love them and you're proud of them. If you're not safe there, it's, you feel that burden too, as even, even as an ally. And for somebody like, oh, I don't know, Robert, moving into one of these senior citizen housing. Where I walk into a room and there's no doubt. <laughs> Everybody knows. I open my mouth and remove all question. You know, like Josh, our board operator for years, like he used to say, he came out of the womb singing show tunes. <laughs> right. Wearing pearls. Wearing pearls. <laughs> right. It's just not even possible to go back into the closet. I was never in a closet to go back into. I wouldn't know 
physically how to do it. Well, sad, that is so true, David, for you. But sadly, for the majority of our LGBT seniors, they're too well practiced at code switching and going in the closet. But they're doing it for safety. I wouldn't know how to do it even for safety. Okay. Well, and we are paving the way to help you have a safe place. And, and that's important. It's uh, uh, the utmost importance to feel safe in your home. Uh, we like to say to people when we do these trainings, everyone is entitled to their opinion. You may think anything you want about your neighbor, but it is not okay to make it a point because everyone deserves to be safe in their own home. It's not okay to make it dangerous for It's not okay people. to make it dangerous. You may have your opinion. And this notion that we have free speech clouds this issue. It is okay for you to have your opinion, but you may not make someone else uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable. It's, it's not okay for you to make this a dangerous place for other people. I mean, it's much more than uncomfortable. And that's what's uh, that's what we see in the in the rest of society today, especially in Texas, um, where the the transphobia, the homophobia, is is not yet as entrenched in the law, but it's it would, they, there are a lot of people who would like it to be codified in law, and we have enough to deal with with the vast array of haters out there that walk amongst us. Um, so it's, it's really about um, creating a safe space that everyone understands they must adhere to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that we've always feared as LGBTQ people is that, well, they may say that they're gonna, you know, um, that they don't, th that they embrace us or, or whatever, but if you have um, a, a rainbow sticker on your car and you take it in are they and you think that they might be um, homophobic in some way and want to act on that are they gonna really fix my car or have I put myself in danger or are they gonna cut the brake line exactly and you translate that into every aspect of life and you say what does that really mean I, I need to feel safe and that's one thing that marriage brought us was we feel the security of being um, that it, when I'm taking my last breath that Aaron's going to get the house. It's not going to be some, some relative that shows up out of nowhere that says, you know, I have the paperwork, but I, we're going to break the paperwork in, in court. Mm -hmm. and, my, and, and my will is not going to be honored. <coughs> so all of that rolls up together as a, a need to feel security and to have a, a truly safe space. Not a, not a false sense of security. Not a false sense, indeed. I think that's such a telling line when talking about the salesperson, because the salesperson does have that um, um, motivation Just to give you a false sense of security. They yes. do it when they're selling you anything. Salespeople do that. That's what they do. Well, I'm planning on doing old age the way my aunt is doing it. She's 94, uh, and the lease on her little red sports car was up, so she got another one, a new one. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, Patty, we, um, we're careful that we don't just focus on the people who currently are working in that institution, uh, who the current president is. We go into their corporate files and their corporate paperwork, 
and ensure uh, insurance equity in their employees. And written documents say things that include sexual orientation and gender expression. Their entry forms printed to say, what are your preferred pronouns? Those things that don't mean anything to anyone that it doesn't mean anything to, and it means everything to the people that mean something to. And I think making that change for employees and staff at the, at the, the service level and in the corporate world in, a, in an organization like that, I think is, is such an enriching thing. So you've done more than just make it safe for, um, for our community, but our community who works and thrives and our allies who work and thrive in those, in those work settings now have a, a larger experience. My favorite aspect of the training sessions is at the beginning, I begin with, would you raise your hand, those of you in the room, uh, would you raise your hand if you know or love someone who's LGBT and maybe one, maybe two sheepish people will raise their hand. At the end of the mere 50 minutes, just less than an hour of talking about this gently and openly, I will end the session with now would you raise your hand if you know or love someone who's LGBT every hand without exception goes up because nobody lives in a vacuum everyone knows and loves someone who identifies as LGBT now, and I we think are that, out of time I think they were saying that because they know and loved you none, they, none, oh and at the end of 50 <laughs> minutes they were, yeah. they were, they were they, their hands went up because they had come full circle and they know that now they're in a safe place we are out of time Robert thank you so much but one more thing thank you and congrats <laughs> and congratulations on your Kukling Award our guest next week is another Kukling Award winner Melissa Grove who's going to be here in the studio with us oh we awesome. love Melissa yeah, she's ending her tenure as uh, CEO of uh, Legacy. So we will wow. talk with Melissa next week. Magnificent Legacy. And for all of us here at Lambda Weekly, have a good week.